welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Dana Crochier. She has an inspirational story to tell of her journey through chronic pain. She is the producer of a documentary on chronic pain called Love Heals, and is also featured as its main character. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Um, we're excited to have Dana here today. Um, my introduction is a little bit different. Um, I met her, what, a couple of years ago, Dana, maybe? Has it been two years already? Yes. I met her through um, the doc journey and also our, we have twice a week group sessions where Dana was part of that. And Dana is very clear. She's had a very challenging journey. But her story is one of the reasons I quit spine surgery in that she persevered. She had tough odds. And her story was as compelling as any I've seen. She had a lot of suffering, did not think she was going to make it through. And not only has she made it through, she is thriving. So we're going to talk about a little bit about her story in the beginning, but mostly about her healing um, capacity, how it worked. And we're going to spend a little bit more time on this movie she produced with her partner, Chrisana. It's called Love Heals, and I was part of it. I was honored to be part of it, and a few of my colleagues. And she's now on a mission to spread her story of healing to the world. So, Dana, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Hanscom. I really appreciate it. So, um, Dana, just briefly, um, you met me in, a couple of years ago, but you had already undergone spine surgery when you had met me. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. I had had my first spine surgery uh, in 2020. It was April 2nd. And during that time, I was trying to recover and, and finding that things weren't going as planned. I was actually feeling much, much worse for an extended period of time until it was realized that I had a really bad spinal fluid leak and ended back in surgery six weeks later for an emergency repair that also didn't go very well. So both of those had occurred prior to finding you and your work. And you're, how long had you been in chronic pain before your back surgery? My chronic pain journey started in May of 2017. Okay. And it was just a, a basic injury at first. I was running on a treadmill. I felt like I pulled a muscle in my calf and, you know, it went from a calf injury to going bilateral. So my other calf started to have issues and I went through everything you can imagine, you know, seeing doctors going through physical therapy and then the pain started, you know, over time to really shift and change. So it went up my leg and into my sciatica region. And eventually I had some minor back pain but that was never the main complaint. It was really my legs, which, you know, somebody determined later they figured was some nerve pain due to compression. So yeah, it started several years before I ever decided to go through with surgery. And Dana's story is quite typical because most people in chronic pain get bounced and bounced and bounced through the system and is more than discouraging. And the literature shows, there's two research papers that shows that the impact of chronic pain is equivalent to having terminal cancer. It's a bad deal. And that's what we call chronic pain, being a chronic pain, the abyss. And you more than lost hope, correct? Yes, absolutely. When the life as you know it has completely changed, you can no longer work. You can't participate in the activities that you used to. And nobody has answers or things that are providing relief 
I think the abyss is the perfect way to explain it. And then what happened, you had the surgery, things got quite a bit worse, right? Much, much worse. The pain that I was experiencing prior to the surgeries actually ended up being a lot less severe when I compared it to my experienced post-surgery. So I had a lot more nerve pain in my legs all the way down to my ankles and feet. And then the back pain that I was experiencing was 10 times worse than it ever was prior to the surgery. So yes. So this audience knows my lines already where the data shows when you operate in the presence of chronic pain and don't treat the chronic pain, there's five major papers that show that pain gets worse afterwards over 40% of the time. So then the chance of surgery helping pain like yours is about 20%. The chances of making you worse is about 40 to 60%. So there's actually double the chances of making you worse than making you better. And the problem is chronic pain is a neurological issue. It is not a structural problem, which you know that now. So then you had a situation being bounced around. Then you had a fairly significant procedure that didn't work and made you worse and did a complication. Even repairing the complication didn't get bad. So by the time you found what we were doing, when was that? So I came home from the second surgery. I was in ICU for a week because it didn't go well and they were really having trouble uh, getting that leak to stop. So by the time I got home, it was May 23rd and, and I found you in June of 2020, okay. right after. And how did you happen to find me? So I was using my phone and I was on Facebook and a, an ad came up for curable about chronic pain and I had never heard of it before. So I thought, gosh, I'm on bed rest and who knows how long I'm going to be recovering. So I clicked it and sure enough, it really spoke to me. And I thought, gosh, I, this sounds like what I might be experiencing. So the very first podcast that I clicked on within that curable app was yours. And right. I will never forget hearing the statistics that you just talked about. I, it was an utter devastation. I right. felt like I, I made the biggest mistake, but at the time, that's all I knew. I, it was the only step that I thought I could take to heal in some way. I just didn't have the tools and knowledge that I do now. So yeah, to say I was devastated in that moment was an understatement, but in time, that devastation flipped over to hope because I thought, gosh, even though I already did this, there's hope that I can break the cycle that I was in, even though I experienced the surgeries that made things worse. So I want to do something a little bit different here. I want to jump all the way to today. And how are you today? Amazing. <laughs> well, she, even when she was six, she was amazing, but she really is remarkably amazing. So I know you're back, not, not back to 100%, but you're doing pretty darn well. Um, so that took a, what, a couple of years to get where you're, you, you got to. But I guess my question is, it took a while to start coming over the hump. It didn't happen overnight. And so how long did it take you to start to heal after you started reading my material? You know, it's probably, if I'm being completely honest with myself, when you start to heal, small things start happening that you're not even aware of. So right. it's really hard to put a time frame on it. I can tell you within the last few months has the best been the best that I have felt since the surgery. So I would say a good year and a half before I started to, to recognize more days with a higher level of relief. 
but what was interesting is I would go back to my surgeon, you know, a year plus later, and he would, he would read to me the notes from my original file, like, oh, well, how is your sciatica doing? Because I couldn't even, I mean, I couldn't sit post-surgery. Everything was so painful. And I was like, oh, that's actually gone. I had, I had pain in my upper extremities after surgery that I'd never had. I had knee pain. I had, I had broken teeth. I mean, I feel like the surgery was a really rough experience and I had a lot of, you know, tissues and muscles and things that were really jarred. Right. So I think there was more than just the surgery and the, and the chronic pain that I had to heal from. And a lot of it too, David was trauma. I was emotionally and physically traumatized through the experience. So I actually started going to therapy and doing some things that of course we'll probably talk more about with expressive writing and meditation and mindfulness type practices just to calm myself down because it was so traumatizing so the more i did those things in time the more i would find some relief or some calm within my body and my mind which i you know now realize are completely one entity Um, but when i went into surgery i was so fearful i was full of fear Uh, we didn't I didn't have the tools to calm that down prior to going into it. So I think my journey was really long because of a lot of those elements. But it's one of those things that if I look back, I now recognize I've had a few days where I really didn't have symptoms and it was so shocking to me, but I didn't want to say anything. It was like, oh my gosh, my body feels like a normal body today. So I know I'm I'm on the other end of this and I'm just going to realize, you know, more and more days are less, we'll say painful. So I'm actually sort of a difficult question just because it's such a broad question, but what was some of the initial things that started the healing journey for you? Cause I, cause did you read back in control first? Was that the starting point? Yeah. The first thing I did was I went all in on the curable app because there were so many different things that you learn through brain science. And then they have the meditations, the writing exercises. It was very, very helpful to me. And then I was online one day and I thought, gosh, what is, so if Dr. Hanscom is connected to this, I wonder what he has going on in his website. So within a very short period of time, I found out that you had these live Q and a sessions two times a week. And The first time, David, that I really felt hope was when I found community. And that is what you offered me that nothing else did. I mean, I was by myself using an app. You know, of course, my partner was home caring for me really, really well. But I never recognized the amount of human beings that were out there that was experiencing something similar to me and that there was a group of people that could come together and work through these things together, but not because we're talking about our pain, right. which was like, wait a minute, I just went through all this trauma. I'm in so much pain, but I'm joining this group. I'm finding community. And like rule number one is we don't talk about our pain. And right, that right. like did something to my brain going, right. I actually am not my pain. That is not my identity as a human. And that's when things really started to shift was just separating myself from what I was experiencing from who I am. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting because we all do it. We all create our identities. Then we actually become our identities. And one of the most common problems we see in chronic pain, whether it's Ehlers-Danlos or fibromyalgia or some other type of diagnosis, people actually become those diagnoses. 
And guess what? The body and brain are the same. The brain actually adopts those symptoms and that you have real physical symptoms based on your perception of what should be. And you met Bruce Lipton about the biology belief. And it's not some magical psychological trick. It's the body's physiology. It's the body's chemistry adapts to what its reality is. And if reality is that I'm a pain patient, guess what? Your body will respond in kind. Not imaginary, not psychology, not witchcraft. It's just flat out the way the body works. And there's, there's lots of deep science behind this, which I'm now discovering here the last couple of years. So as far as some of the tools you started with, just in the basic starting points, um, for you, expressive writing was a pretty helpful starting point. Is that correct? Yes, I would, I would agree. Because throughout my life, I was not the type of person that ever expressed anger. I was wearing forgiveness like a badge of honor, as if, you know, not expressing disappointment or frustration or anger was something to be proud of. And I had a lot of trauma throughout my life growing up. It started very young. And part of that was playing a role in my adult life, having not really fully processed some of those traumas. So to express those things that never came out of my mouth on paper was huge. And also finding compassion for myself, like really learning the power of compassion for my body, for myself, what I went through, writing a letter to my body. It was, it wasn't just things that people have done to me or family or whatever. It was, it was even recognizing the fact that I was treating my body like the enemy, like my body was against me and I never made friends with my body. It wasn't something I loved. It was like, how could you do this to me? I came out of these surgeries feeling like a a huge victim. Well, you actually were a victim. Right. Right. I mean, that's the problem with chronic pain is that one of the big tipping points in chronic pain, as you know, is processing anger. But the problem is the more legitimate your anger, the harder it is to let it go. So when you're physically being attacked by an unpleasant sensation, you are a victim of that unpleasant sensation. And there's nothing conceptually worse than being trapped by pain. It doesn't get worse than that. And then what's even worse is the mental pain is actually worse than physical pain. Your situation might be a little different than that because your physical pain was pretty bad. But in general, the mental pain and physical pain share the same common mechanisms. They're the same thing. And they're both bad. They're both really bad. And so then I know you started the expressive writing. I just wanted to say really clearly what expressive writing done, again, it's not psychological. You're simply separating from your thoughts. It turns out that thoughts are a threat that fire up the nervous system and you're in fight or flight. Unpleasant thoughts are inflammatory. And chronic pain is an inflammatory disorder. You also mentioned a word called hope. The data out of Texas shows that hope is actually anti-inflammatory. A sense of control is anti-inflammatory. In other words, you know the problem, you have some solutions. So just a sense of control is anti-inflammatory. Community is actually anti-inflammatory. Oxytocin, the bonding drug, is actually an anti-inflammatory agent. Then the other one, the final one, is a positive affect or positive attitude. It's not positive thinking, but just a can-do attitude. I'm going to keep going forward no matter what. Those four things are actually powerfully anti-inflammatory. So it's interesting that as you do these little things that start to work, again, it's not some magical formula. Your body actually responds with an anti-inflammatory response and you felt it. 
Absolutely. Um, one of the things you just said reminds me of the time when something really switched for me. It was focusing instead of what are all the things that I miss that I can't do while I'm in this condition. And it, it took a lot to get there, but when I started to move towards, well, what can I do right now that is going to bring me peace or joy, or what can I do to move me towards the life that I want in the future versus ruminating on what is happening right now? Because okay. you're right, I even this is something I, I learned through this process was even if your brain is thinking about all of the things that you wish were different in your life, it actually impacts your nervous system the same way as if something's out of alignment and keeps you in fight or flight. Right. And I thought, how I've, I've been doing that this whole time. And it's really hard not to, if, if you're experiencing that much discomfort in your body, you want to be anywhere else, but there right. you're looking towards, you know, anything other than this pain and not truly accepting like, this is where I'm at today. And these are the things I can do it was never like that for me until I had that awakening to know that the more I'm wishing something different for my life right now, the more I'm staying exactly where I'm at. I have to calm my nervous system instead of keeping it fired up. So I'd bring up one point that's really critical here. So, you know, you're young, you're physically fit, you have lots of skills, you're creative, you have lots of things in life that are just vibrant. And when that gets taken away, I think it's particularly perverse. I mean, you have a full life, all of a sudden it's gone. Nobody ever warned you about it. You get hit, it's like being hit by a train and you go, what, what happened? So it's that, that I think makes the whole thing worse. But I want to really focus on, because I remember the day this happened. I think you remember the day also in the group that there's two parts to healing. We've talked about, you know, you learn tools to process stress and anxiety and anger. Those are just learned skills. So it's not avoiding anger and, and anxiety. It's learning how to deal with them in a more efficient way. Then the other half of the journey is actually moving into circuits that are enjoyable and pleasant, moving into the rest of your life. So the healing doesn't occur just by solving problems. I mean, you have to do that. In other words, you have to be able to do that in order to move forward. But the true healing occurs as your brain shifts into these new set of circuits. You really are stimulating your brain to change with neuroplastic changes. And the pain really does disappear. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating because I never expected this. I'm a surgeon. And so I had the same issues. And so in defense of my colleagues, I wasn't trained this way. But also it's hit me this week because I'm rewriting leg six of the doc journey. And I'm realizing that learning to process stress is a learned skill like playing piano or violin. And we are all programmed to survive, our parents, school, colleagues, whatever. So essentially all of our skills in life are about survival. Where do we ever learn to thrive? That's also a learned skill. And so you have to nurture those circuits the same way you learn how to, well, we learn how to process stress in a dysfunctional way. But again, where in our training or in our lives were we trained to actually thrive? We weren't. Yeah. So as you get into these play circuits, giving back, looking forward, as you switch into the part of your brain, that we call consciousness, much more than just being animals. I mean, you know, we have art, creativity, all sorts of things that humans can do with a lot of potential. As we shift into those circuits and away from the pain circuits, things change. So do you remember the day we had this conversation about that? Yes, we had a lot of conversations, I think, about that. 
So I'm curious, it was a huge, I could see within two weeks, things changed dramatically for you. Things started to really switch because we talked about, we talked a lot about expressive writing and forgiveness and all these different things, which are critical, but you were a little bit stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I was stuck. And I, I really was pushing back originally on this idea yeah. that I'm an angry person. And you would say, no, you definitely have anger. That's not being expressed. And I thought, no, I, I just don't have anger within me. And it wasn't until I peeled back so many layers and did the work to recognize, oh my gosh, there it is. Even the anger that I'm in the situation that I'm in. And you said, well, maybe you're angry at your surgeon you have to be. And I was like, no, I'm good. But it was being open to the idea that maybe there are these emotions within us that we have never expressed or could never name, or maybe they look like something else. In reality, this is, this is something I had to go inward and find. It wasn't something that you could just tell me and it would click and then I would find relief. It was doing the work. And I will tell you what really made a difference, David, is that I was so like, you know, being a type A personality and a perfectionist is a lot of people that experience chronic pain and chronic illness are, I was, I wasn't just going to like do this healing journey haphazardly. I was going to do it perfectly. I was going to do check every box and I was going to do every exercise and every ride. I mean, it became very hypervigilant for me. Right. And it wasn't until I recognized that, oh my gosh, I went from this life where I never took the time to slow down and express and go through the process I needed to, to keep my nervous system in a good place. I then transferred that over into my healing journey. Right. I'm going to do all the things just right. So I can heal the fastest possible. And it wasn't until, which is what you taught me to truly let go. It was like, you have to stop trying so hard because you're not giving yourself the environment that you need to heal by being so diligent about all these practices. And I thought, oh, so I have to give up to heal. Right. And I thought it was crazy. Right. But until I stopped doing everything that I was doing and just did things more out of inspiration instead of obligation, in order to heal, it was like, oh, now I feel more peaceful. I'm having better days. I, I find more joy. I, it's, it was a game changer for me. Well, remember, we also talked about the fact that um, I suggested that you move forward with or without your pain. Oh, that was a tough one. Right. Do you remember yes. that comment? Right. Yes. Because so, as you move towards the life you want, again, which is also a learned skill, takes repetition and practice, that you're moving away from the pain circuits. If you're diligent about fixing your pain, of course, you're reinforcing the pain circuits. So within two weeks, I saw one of the most dramatic shifts of anybody I've ever seen in this process that not only did you move forward, you started to explode moving forward. Mm -hmm. And you had pain. Do you remember you you talked about how your relationship to the pain simply changed? 100%. My entire mindset and relationship to those sensations, even having calling them pain, stopped. It was like, you know, I'm less than comfortable in my body today, but that's okay. I can, I can still have a good day despite what is happening. It doesn't mean that my life is over anymore. And I got the fire back in my life. 
But your pain didn't magically disappear. I mean, you used to have quite a bit of pain for a while. Yes. And you, but I was impressed that you changed your relationship to the pain and you really did move forward in a very powerful way. And then I'm going to say, I told you so. <laughs> I told you that you would continue to get better. And you go, I, I can hear you say, not really, but whatever. So anyway, um, no, Dana represented one of the most powerful moves I've ever seen. Somebody just say, okay, I'm done with this. I'm going to move forward and live my life, pain or no pain. And I have to admit, every, I mean, I've done this with hundreds of patients, but I'm always somewhat amazed to watch how deep the healing can go because the body can heal itself. And it's not David Hanscom, it's not the Doc Journey, it's not any particular process, it's you. You connect to who you are. And so you connect to who you are, including the pain, including the negativity, including the trauma. Then you start connecting to people around you. You start connecting to life. But the essence of healing from my perspective is connecting. So what I'd like to do, I there, we, talk, we could go on for hours about her story. I just really, for me, it's been very inspirational. And for me, it's very energizing what actually drives me to keep doing this and seeing stories like Dana. But I just want you to briefly mention the project you're doing now. And then we're going to spend the next podcast on really going into detail about what you're doing now. So she went from a corporate job to creating a, oh, well, let me let you tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm happy to. The, the only one other thing I do want to say, David, that was critical that I think needs to be said is that after I had those surgeries and while I was in such devastating chronic pain, I didn't feel safe. And I just want to bring up safety for a moment because after I had those surgeries, my surgeon terrified me of re-injuring, re-herniating, moving my body, doing anything that was going to set me back. I couldn't, he said, I couldn't do certain things for a full year. And I just want to say that while I was with you and connecting with that group and starting to recognize that fear of movement and not feeling safe in your body because of what you're experiencing really does keep you there. So when you taught me- It's not psychological, fear right. is inflammatory. That's right. So I was fully inflamed by fear. Right. And it wasn't until- I started to trust that my body was going to be okay with movement and getting back into my body without believing that I was going to injure myself. You know, obviously you listen to your body and you, you don't push it past a certain point, but I just have to say that being able to trust my body and know that I was safe and moving in ways that was serving me was also something in that time frame that really took me to the next level. So I just had to address that because nowadays I can move my body in ways, even if I have some pain and I have things going on in my legs, I'm still taking hikes. I'm still getting outdoors. I I'm doing things that give me so much life instead of having all this fear that I'm injuring myself. When I know that that is just this psychological construct that I had from having all that fear instilled in me. So right. Really grateful for that. Cool. No, it's exciting to watch you go. And again, I'll say it again, you're just getting warmed up. Mm, so I love that. No, you really are. So I met um, Dana and her partner, Chrisana. And Chrisana is a very high level filmmaker. Dana has her own set of skills that's quite remarkable, including being very, being very well spoken. She's actually helped me slow down a little bit. So Dana, I appreciate that. Um, so we're going to talk about her project right now. So you can just briefly tell us what you're doing now. You're out of corporate world. 
you're doing a film with Chrisana um, called Love Heals. And could you fill us in just briefly on that? We'll talk about it on the next podcast. Yeah, absolutely. About a year ago, Chrisanna was approached um, by who is now the executive producer of Love Heals to create a film essentially on healing with mind-body practices. And when he heard my story, he was like, wait a minute, you're literally in the middle of a healing journey. So you should be the protagonist. We should follow your journey as well, along with you know, people who are new to these practices, what's possible, and people who have been doing this for a long time and hearing about some of their transformation stories. So, you know, we didn't have all of that figured out from the very beginning, but that's really what it evolved into. So my journey with the film started a year ago, not necessarily because I was becoming some film producer, but it was because my journey was being followed. So I was really just helping with coordinating and flying across the country to interview people like yourself and Bruce Lipton and other experts and other people whose lives have been massively transformed by these practices. So that is how the journey of Love Heals began. And yeah, so we released the film in January of this year, and it's been remarkable, the feedback that we've received. Fantastic. So Dana, thank you again. Again, we're just barely touching on our story, but it gives you a feel about how bad things can be and how good things can be. So Dana, thank you very, very much. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. I'd like to thank our guest, Dana Crochier, for being on the show today and for sharing her inspiring story of her journey through chronic pain. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.